Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Hello, today my guest is Lee. Lee, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Lee Burson. I am a Spanish teacher at Central High School, which is, um, we're about an hour west of Atlanta, Georgia. And currently I teach first and second year Spanish. To, you know, I have, how many, there's six sections of Spanish. So I probably have close to 200 students um, that I manage. I know, wow. A lot of stories. In this uh, (laughs) pandemic, and you said you're face-to-face, right? We are, um, we have been, I guess you call it hybrid in the sense that, I mean, in a class, like if I were to look at my second period class, I probably have 25 students who show up if they're not in quarantine, 25 that show up, and then a handful that are learning virtually who watch the class and complete assignments. But then throughout the day, there is one section, like a section of students who are face-to-face and a handful that are virtual. So you're juggling that at the same time. Yes, that's a lot of juggling. Teachers have become master jugglers, I think, this year. <laughs> We're all ready for the circus. Yes, <laughs> Either true. The, the yeah. clowns or the jugglers or, you know, who knows what. <laughs> yeah. All it's, of the it's roles. It's challenging. Yeah, it's challenging. It's but crazy year. I, and a lot of teachers have said, like you were saying earlier, that uh, this is the toughest year ever teaching. And a lot of teachers are leaving. And a lot of teachers are having epiphanies and having to change certain things. And maybe it's come to the surface why they really love teaching. And others are maybe realizing they didn't love teaching as much as they thought they did. You know, but teaching is such a, an individual journey in the sense that, like, now I can't compare myself to some of the teachers in Atlanta who are completely virtual, who are trying to, like, or struggling, I should say, trying, struggling to get them to participate um, in a virtual setting, whereas you have others who may have a class where they're juggling students who are at home simultaneously with them sitting in front of them, and they're having to teach like that. So it's like you just, this year you can't compare yourself to anyone. It's just, you just do your thing and you try to do it the best you can. Yes, very true. And I am at the same time, I mean, some might be 
jealous of the sense that I'm able to teach them face to face where in our system, we are masks expected. That's what it's masks are expected. So we can't require them. We can't argue with them. We can just role model. And I would say probably 80% of my students wear a mask. Um, and sometimes I, I mean, I'm accustomed to seeing students, um, only wearing a mask. So it is, um, I thought it would be more challenging. I, um, but it's something that we, we've come to make work. And, and I say that to say that like, because they're face to face, we still are able to laugh and learn together. And so I know what that student in front of me or, or near me is capable of. I have a sense of them as a person that you just have to struggle to, to find virtually. Um, and it's, so it's been easier in that sense, even though we may be learning with masks and trying to distance. Um, so, I mean, it's changed a lot of our activities, like, oh man, now we have to think about sharing things that were, that were, we never had to think about getting close to each other and doing things in the room that now have to pivot to the hallway. But um, I'm thankful in that sense that I um, am able to see my kids on the daily um, face-to-face. Mm -hmm. So when you started teaching many, many years ago, you probably didn't envision ever having this sort of a situation. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, I um, say I didn't go to school to be a teacher. I graduated with an English, an English literature degree, thinking that I might be a, an English professor or, I mean, I just enjoyed literature. And, um, and the economy downturned in the 90s, yes, the 90s. And um, I found myself like, couldn't, like graduate school was more competitive and they had an opening in, as for a part-time Spanish teacher at my high school, the high school that I graduated from. And um, so, I mean, I just think it all, in retrospect, it's all by divine um, power, providence, would that it may, I mean, here it's 28 years later, and now I'm teaching students who are sons and daughters of my students before. So, and, and so that's been interesting because I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, I taught your mother. Okay. And <laughs> I never thought I would be saying that one day. <laughs> I think though that um, in all of this, in the 28, I think it's 28, this 28th year, that um, what you, regardless of where you are and what situation you still, it still gives you the chance to create. That's the, the, the love that I find in teaching. It's kind of like um, it, you can incorporate music, art, language, culture. Um, and I mean, you, you pull from the strength, your own strengths, and then you meet kids at their interest level. And it's that opportunity to constantly create and retool and create again, that just drives you even when you have to, even when you have to pivot and figure out, 
you know, in a pandemic situation or in a quarantine situation. It's like, how do you draw them in to want to practice with you if their Wi-Fi is limited? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do have to be a great problem solver and teach your things out all the time. You have to with limited resources. And then every minute is an adventure in teaching. You never know what to expect. You can pl- lesson you plan till the cows come home and then it, it all goes out the window. And what you were saying earlier, you never really get there. You never really catch up. You're never really, it's just, it's just a cycle. It just keeps going and going. And you maybe like a treadmill and sometimes you have to figure out how to get off the treadmill for you. Well, you know, I think the, that quarantine taught, well, it taught me a big lesson. Like, it was like, I'd wake up in the morning and go, you got eight hours of sleep last night. Like that was never a habit that I had practiced teaching. Um, and like it, that we were only doing, whether we were doing smaller, more focused activities, it's like, you weren't trying to create a multitude of things to keep class moving. You were just compacting it. Um, and so it basically boiled everything down to what's important with you and what's important in the classroom. Um, and, and that is the, the, the beauty of all of this is that like you, Whereas technology allows you to reach them and create different things or recreate them. Like we'll take plans that we have done, we used to could do when you pass things around, you shared them and then we figure out, okay, this would work better in a, using technology to do this in a different variation. But it's, it's the curse as well that, okay, they have shorter attention spans um that you're they're used to being entertained they're used to looking at a screen they're not used to human interaction i mean truly we focus on making sure that when they walk in the door that they greet you i mean that they that we we even say we tell them and i'm using air quotes that it's tied into your your part of your daily um participation or grade that it's rude to just walk in and not acknowledge the people in the room because they don't come with that innate sense we say it's an american thing that does not like we just go about our way and we we get it done but i'm like you need to get eye contact and you need to speak and it is funny to watch growth because they make sure that they don't interrupt you, but they'll greet you. Um, and that's just part of human nature that like it makes you a better citizen, a better person. Because I say, you know, in a Spanish speaking culture, if you were to walk in the room and not speak to them, you would come across as rude. So all of us, we all of the, the, the language teachers focus on making sure that when they walk in that they greet us it's as simple as that um and we still do that well teachers have a bigger role in that we are not just teaching the subject that we're teaching we're teaching kids how to be good human beings 
you know, good citizens of the world. I know when my daughter was trying to decide what she wanted to, to do and she thought she was going to be an artist and then she decided she didn't want to be a, a starving artist on the street. And so she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what are your interests? And she named off like art and music and culture and, you know, social studies and history and yeah. all of these other things. And I was like, why don't you become a teacher? Because, yeah. the, you know, and she yes. loves children. And so it's a great job to be able to have that great of an impact on children and how they see the world and how they see themselves in the world and how they Correct. fit in. And, that, and, I, and I do love that in the sense that you try to, and I think it was when teachers were, when language teachers were struggling with, what do we do? Our, you know, curriculum's out the door. And it basically was the sense of, okay, if we can create better global citizens, where we have succeeded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And so that's just as important um, for me. But also an, another thing that has been an, an eye opener to this is like, I typically did not build relationships with students beyond the classroom like I we laugh with them we joke with them but I didn't learn their stories I didn't um some of them I did but for the most part it's like um I still kept them at bay and in the classroom and then I would go home and and teach gym classes and 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 relax and recharge. But it's like, this has taught me to focus on that young person in front of, you know, in front of me and get to know them and find out what their interest is. Um, I have a student who was, who comes into one of my classes and was in an accident, um, as a child and their um his spine was fractured so he has no motor skills at all so he rolls in um with a parapro and a nurse um into that class and i remember thinking even before pandemic when i knew that i was going to have to teach a student who like is so confined um I was thinking that's going to be challenging. Well, in this year, when I think of the student who embodies like my joy of teaching, it is he because he rolls in every day that he can and he just like eats it up. He thrives in just learning the language and we laugh and, and, um, and I'm like, I don't know why I thought this was going to be a challenge because it's the same thing as, everyone else it's just you just you have to think about okay this is what he can do and this is what where you need to meet him halfway and um so but the joy i mean it's like when we had finals and um i did a modified final with him it's like he has learned some spanish and it's just from laughing along the way and being with us and it's just it is he is the embodiment of 
this particular year and like, why did you think that was going to be challenging? Because it wasn't. He's just a learner. And, and so we talk sports. I don't know football, but I act like I do. <laughs> and we chatted up every Monday. I know his teams and I know who he loves and I know how they, um, what the scores were on that game. And so he thinks that is like the greatest thing ever, like just to chat about sports. And it's like, it's not interesting to me, but I pretend that it is, or I make him feel like it is. Oh, I think everyone just wants to be seen and heard. And, Correct. and you know, that's the challenge in the virtual classroom is that they turn their cameras off or, they don't have a chance to just speak up or they have to speak up in the chat. And there's so much lost in translation there, like that whole energy of how they say it and how we receive it. And that gets, that gets lost when it's virtual. Like you were, I, I mean, I get it. And story and connection. When we, when we had to pivot in the last week of school and do virtual um, finals, I mean, I just celebrated when I saw the list of, or when the names would pop up that they were there. Now, some of them wanted to turn their cameras on and some didn't, but I'm like, I celebrated that they were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that was all that was important to me. It's like, okay, you're there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I say that to say, um, we as teachers, like there is, it's a, I don't know if it's a problem just with me, but so much of teaching is ego. And it's like, will they like it? Did they like this? Did they, all this that I did? And it basically boils down to, it's that same sense of ego that you put into teaching that you have to fight to remove mm-hmm. from, um, from the classroom. I think Megan Smith from the creative classroom, I I read something that she wrote years ago and I'll never forget it because she's like, it was a terrible, you know, it wasn't a, uh, it was a terrible day or you think it was a terrible class, but it might not have been perfect, but it wasn't bad. And, you know, and she said, Quit trying to think, quit trying to aim for 100% engagement because like 20% of your kids are going to love what you do naturally. 20% are going to hate it no matter what you do, even if they're compliant. So she said, just focus on the 60% and try to win them. And then it's just like, but we constantly like, it's this fear of, because we're bent towards the negative and we come home at the end of the day and we don't celebrate the positive, we take home a shortcoming and we mull about it at home. It's like, oh, this kid didn't like this. And it's like, you take that home, but it's like you didn't focus on the success, the small successes that you had during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. That's really huge. And it can as we were talking about earlier, it can lead to burnout. It can lead to like, you're constantly striving for that hundred percent and that perfection and trying to get everybody doing everything that you want them to do. And, and we have to develop either 
a superhuman physical strength or mental strength to endure it. It's like running a marathon every minute of the day and it, it's not sustainable. Correct. That, um, when I was in my 20th year, I had been teaching at the same school, the, the school that I graduated from. But at 20 years, I, my voice was shot. Um, my vocal cords were like, I couldn't muster a voice to speak in the morning. I was like in fear, like I would not be able to say anything. It's a teacher's worst fear. And, um, and I faced burnout. I was like, I hate this job. I can't do it. There's no happiness in it. And so I abandoned, like I left teaching, like I just hit burnout wall and I never thought I'm like, yeah, done. I um, pivoted to um, completely, didn't even do Spanish. I was um, working for a technology company, but I was miserable. I um, had to have vocal surgery um, just from, because I, all I do was talk all day. <laughs> They're like, you are an unhealthy, you speak, you need to stop talking. Um, so I had vocal surgery, but I also um, learned about teacher burnout. I um, remember speaking to this at a school conference years ago, and, and I agreed to take on a hot seat session just to talk about teacher burnout. And I was like, this room is full. There are teachers that like, are struggling just like you are. Um, and my, I think my, my recommendation, or I said, I can remember hearing in those dark days, like if you smile, if you just smile, you can trick your body. Physi physiologically, you can make yourself think that you're happy. And I mean, I have never smiled so much that year. It does, it, it makes you feel better. Um, so that was one of my toolboxes is like, I'm going to smile in this hallway as miserable on the inside as I am until I work through it. Um, there was that, but then I also said, you know, for me, it was making some change because you find yourself like you have to stay in this rut or this one narrow path. And I said, you know, for me, it was a change of, I ultimately ended up in another, got a call to teach in a smaller um, school district. And I mean, when I walked back in the classroom, it was like heaven again. I walked in the school. I remember it was a Sunday morning when he gave me a tour around the building. I was like, oh no, because I could feel it. I'm like, this is home for me. And every school that I interview at, or when I look at, I'm like, Oh no, it feels like home. That's my true test. Like when I walk in the building and, and spend time there, I'm like, can I, does this feel like home? And everyone I've landed at has felt like home. Um, but I do think small changes make for big progress. Mm -hmm. They do. And, and so what do you think, what kind of advice would you give to a new teacher coming into the profession? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you that, uh, that in all these years of teaching that therapy that I've had to like consult someone professionally to talk through 
shortcomings that that you just find yourself you can't talk to anyone about um i think that like we everyone has well it's a big term in in the therapy world but they're like cognitive distortions and you everyone has their own ways of doing them but you talk yourself into negative patterns and for me it was like um constantly thinking that if i um just worked more they would like it more i'm like i would find myself on sunday afternoon like working working i'd be the only car at the school and i'd be working i'm like well if i just work more they'll like it and it's like the math doesn't work out because it doesn't equal happiness in the classroom um and I also think that there's that, like we tend to, just like what I mentioned, like we disqualify the positive. I like how um, in in some of the self-care things that, that people speak to these days are like, you have to go back to reading those letters of where people see the good that you've done because you, you you tend we tend to be bent toward the negative and we mull about that that one thing that shortcoming and i didn't do this right it would have been better if and you have to you have to surround yourself with positive because the classroom um there was a someone at sculpt um he did an a presentation using just simple emojis and he was like he just represented his year by one emoji and um i say that to say that like he said you know when you like connect to students when you when you see their worth because the classroom itself is bent toward the negative as well like you see the dark side you see students acting up you see them sometimes at their worst but when you see them outside the classroom on the golf course playing tennis like in the clubs like that's when you see the humanity of them and that they are sweet human beings they're just like but when you surround them with their peers sometimes they can be ugly and mean spirited but it was like it's like when i came to that conclusion like my emoji became a happy face um and and it is truly the humanity of students like what you see in that desk or behind that screen is only like one iteration one version of that human being you want to talk a little bit because before we started the podcast you're yeah. talking about the masks and how Oh yeah, you had the metaphor of the masks and getting to know the students and using Flipgrid and and just yeah. a kind of epiphany. So, well, I don't know. It's a phenomena that um, that they they're going to have a term for this some somewhere. Is that you know you build an an impression of a person behind the mask, and I mean we've been going months with students, and some of them faithfully masks daily thank the lord they do but but you only know them masked so when they when you see 
the face behind a mask. Like we'll ask them to do a short speaking thing on Flipgrid and they'll be at home and they won't be in their mask. And you're like, whoa, that's what you look like. That's not what I pictured you look like, you know? And it's like, it's that, it's part funny because your mind creates a, an image of that person. And then when you see what it truly is, you have to reframe. Okay. So that is truly what they look like behind the mask. And I mean, it's the same thing with like you build an image of a student and what they're, what the, who they are and what they're capable of. And it's just behind a mask. Um, and it's been really funny to see that that sense of do you know truly your students or do you just know the version behind the mask? And so we we giggle about it. It's like that teachers were like, whoa, that is not what I thought you would look like. Um, but it's because you created this false impression of that student. And your mind did that to you, your mind did that because you thought you could create the rest of their face. Mm -hmm. And, and when you see it, it's it, I liken it to the personality. And it's like when they tell you something that you're like, Whoa, I didn't realize that. It goes to what you were saying about uh, getting to know your students, getting to know their stories and a little bit, the Shrek syndrome of peeling back the layers and getting right behind that mask, literally behind the mask of who they really are as human beings, that humanity again in them, that they're, they're people just like you and me and every other person on the planet. And we have the beauty of teaching languages and seeing that, that humanity in all cultures and trying to point that out and get them to, to realize that. And that's wonderful for them to witness that epiphany of, oh, this person who speaks this other language, who may dress differently than I do, and, you know, practices different holiday traditions than I do, but yet they're the same as I am. Exactly. Isn't that wonderful? It really is. The, um, and I, I mean, right now, I just think the challenge with teachers is, well, particularly in, in, our situation is there's so many stories. Like I think at one point I had 185 students on a roster and that's so many different stories in your mind. And you, you know, it's, it's, you want everyone to succeed and you have to come to the point where it's like, you just have to meet them where they are. But it's the stories. I think that's a struggle for whether you're face-to-face -face or virtual. It's trying to find the story of, that, of those students to, to find the true story of that student mm -hmm. and, and still like meet them where they are um, with everything, all things considered in 2020 and 2021. If your goal every day is to meet a student where he or she is, you got a hundred percent, you know, success rate every day then, if that's what you can do. If you can just, right. just want to meet them where they are instead of always shooting for something way beyond 
where they are and then expecting some kids it may be a very short you know journey for others it may be a huge journey long journey that's not going to happen right away and that's where we disappoint ourselves is when we set ourselves up for those expectations going back again to what you were saying earlier that perfection and that you know we got to get them there every step of the way now you know and we can't take time and we can't allow for anything else and and the pandemic has taught us that that you got to meet them where they are and you got to celebrate what you can do with them where they have come from and 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 just celebrate that i agree yeah i agree so maybe that's why you said there's a lot of joy this year because you've had you've let go of a lot of things that are not they're so not important they really aren't and of course right. exams they're not important well, yeah they're it's not. the that that the your curriculum is just it's fluid and it, we find ourselves going um does this really matter mm-hmm. you know did this matter anyway and now does it what are you left with at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and we were talking again before we started recording about the new movie soul that's come out and i think that was a big message in that is to enjoy the little things in life to enjoy the things that light us up and that we notice all the little things along the way And I think when you relax and now you're more relaxed in teaching and you're just trying to meet them where they are, you can enjoy it so much more when you're constantly striving to climb a mountain or having a goal. Like we do this to kids all the time. We're like, unless you get a five on the AP exam, unless you take 10 AP courses, unless you apply to Ivy League schools, unless you get a perfect score on the SAT, then you're going to be a failure in life. And that is so not true. That is such a lie that we're telling kids. We're just, and and so what happens when they do get that perfect SAT score, and then they go off to an Ivy League school, and then they don't like it, and then they don't know what to do, you know? And um, it truly, yeah, it truly is. And when we were um, in the quarantine or when it was, everyone was at home. I mean, the, the simplicity of getting outside, it was, it just so happened in Georgia to be, um, we had a beautiful spring. I mean, weather was perfect. But it was like, I didn't walk as much. Like I had never walked before. And you try to walk almost every single day. And there was just the beauty in something so simple to clear your head. And it's like, it's just simple and small. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would be running to the, running to the gym to work out and, and try to teach a gym class. I'm like, really? It's just about all you got to do is walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in yeah. the break from your curriculum, sometimes we just yeah. need to, just stop and just be like let's check in how y'all doing yeah you know tell me what you did this last weekend you know tell me tell tell me what you're going to do for the holidays tell me tell me your story here again and and i know there's such pressure with my daughter they're constantly coming in and saying what standard are you on you should have been on that standard on tuesday 
why in his Friday you're behind already. And then the shaming and, you know, everything starts and the, you know, and then you get on that treadmill of like, I've got to catch up. I've got to catch up. I've got to catch up. And you just burn out. You burn out. And you burn the kids out too, because they feel it too. And they shut down. I agree. Tell, tell me again what your principal said about the first day. I love uh, that. Yeah. Okay. So the principal that I currently work for is, um, he is a former chemistry teacher. Um, just, he's this tall, quiet. Um, he's very like measured and he, he doesn't get rattled easily, but, um, the, this was pre-pandemic. It was the, the, the day before the start of the school year on my first year teaching for him. And he said, tomorrow at 8.20, the bell will ring. And he said, you, at that point, from, you have one, 185 days to create or to, to build a relationship with every student that you teach. He said, all the numbers will follow but he said that's all that matters and um and i'm like you know truly he's right mm -hmm. he's right because he, he you know we don't focus on i don't i don't get the pressure for that it's just like do you know those students when they walk in and, because all the rest, all the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. And what a gift too. Um, that's such great advice from an administrator and such permission that he's giving you to be able to build those relationships because those are the, those are the greatest rewards, those relationships that will last a lifetime. They will get back in touch with you. Uh, they will grow into you know, wonderful human beings that are contributing to the world long after we're gone. And that's our legacy. And that's why we do what we do, I think, every day. And that's the joy of it. We can't focus on the other part of it. It's, you know, we're, gro we're growing little human beings. <laughs> and I love I like that. it. Yeah. I like it. Thanks for letting yeah. me do this. Well, thank you for being on here. So at the end, I have like a little rapid fire, just okay. fill in the blank, whatever, whatever okay. comes to your heart. Okay. Okay. Teaching is. Never dull. No. Never a dull moment. No, especially nowadays. Learning happens when. Learning happens when you know the other person on the other side. That relationship. The biggest change that needs to happen in education is? Oh, the, um, I think it ha is happening is the, the expectations are adjusted and it's more fluid and it's more organic i mean because like the college board is say it says you must know all of this and and it's like but really you <laughs> it's not that's not possible right now so anyway i i say that to say i think that 
it's not expectations are lowered. They're just adjusted. Meeting students where they are. Where they are yeah. Our context is different now. So the soil is different that we're growing the seeds in. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure is. Yeah. Um, my greatest hope for my students is? Is that they know or that they feel loved and appreciated by me. Because I can, too many times I can get focused on that I want them to enjoy what they learn, but instead it's like that they know that. Uh, one thing that I have done this year, and I'll, I'll say that is that I have a cat on my calendar. I mark everyone's birthday and even former students. So when I see them in the hall, I'm like, did you have a good birthday yesterday? And they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, because I just made an effort to like to to notice it. Mm-hmm. you know it's just the small things like mm-hmm. do you just know that you're there and loved and appreciated mm-hmm. that's so wonderful that's and they'll never forget that they'll never forget that you know their birthday even on facebook now most of my friends are former students and of right. it pops up facebook thank goodness yeah, yeah. gives me a reminder but i'll just you know message them and say happy birthday and they're just like oh my gosh you know, how yeah. are you doing? You know, I still remember when in Spanish class we did this or French class we did that. And it's, it's so it's a it, human connection. It means a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. So, so I want to be remembered by my students as. Ooh. Um, I want to be remembered as se- senor, they'll say, oh, senor, <laughs> as senor who gave them a memorable experience. And there's a curse in that, trying to make it memorable. But that is truly like, for me, Spanish was just so. Yeah, it was it was old school, and I just came to it. Go, I, I remember going to Spain and come or coming back from Spain and going. I'm just going to make sure that whatever they know when they leave, they they won't forget the experience. Mm-hmm. They might forget the words, but. but they won't forget this. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the Maya Angelou quote that says, People won't remember what you've said to them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And that's what you're doing, how they feel about their experience in their class in your classroom. And that's huge. That's what needs to change because too many experiences now in the classroom for teachers and for students is not about warm fuzzy feelings it's about it's not it's just not that so we need to change that for sure definitely yeah and you are you are just the guy to do that so you are just such a wonderful memorable person and uh i will always have a heart connection with you you're just such a great person and a great role model for kids and i thank you so much for doing this thank you Linda.